Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Everybody needs a little help every now and then. Someone who has never held a guitar needs to know where to place their fingers on the strings. A novice dance student must be told how to move their feet. And travelers in unknown destinations need to know where to go. That's where the experts step in. Be it their guitar teacher, a dance instructor, or a tour guide. A person with advanced knowledge can be invaluable to someone just learning. But in the pantheon of great teachers, one stands out above the rest. His name was Jack, but he was better known as Pellerus Jack. During the late 1800s, Pellerus Jack was responsible for shepherding ships traveling between the cities of Wellington and Nelson in New Zealand. As explorers sailed between the North and South Islands, they would inevitably come upon a dangerous stretch of water known as French Pass. It was a narrow gap fraught with high winds and roaring waves. Two large ships had already sunk to a watery grave in trying to navigate it, even the most seasoned captain needed help getting through it, and that's where Pellerus Jack came in. He was first spotted in 1888 when a schooner named Brindle entered French Pass. Jack pulled up alongside the boat to assist the Brindle and its crew on their journey. The captain of the Brindle tried to shoot their new guide at first until the man's wife stepped in and stopped him. It would have proved a costly mistake, too. Within 20 minutes, Pellerus Jack had successfully guided the Brindle through the churning waters and jagged rocks to the safety of the Pellerus Sound on the other side. And no, Jack didn't hail from the Pellerus area, but he was familiar with the territory, and word of his good deed quickly spread to sailors all over New Zealand. Regardless of whose stories are to be believed, Jack's reputation for helping ships in need spread far and wide. Captains who knew of him would stop at French Pass and wait for him to arrive, refusing to go through it until they knew that he was beside them. But not every ship treated Jack like a guardian angel. A ferry steamer named the SS Penguin nearly killed him in 1904. A passenger tried to shoot the guide with the rifle, but was stopped when others on board restrained him. It didn't matter, though. The damage was done. Jack never showed up to escort the SS Penguin again. A few years later, the ship sunk, trying to steer through the channel on its own. After that attempt on his life, Jack was placed under the protection of the Sea Fisheries Act of 1904. The misfortune of ships that ran afoul of Pellerus Jack led to his mystique, and sailors didn't only discuss him among themselves. They talked him up to the newspapers, too. Postcards were even printed with his image on them. He performed his job reliably for 24 years, and throughout that time, developed some bizarre habits. For example, he often ignored wooden boats in favor of mighty steamers with metal hulls. He'd also abandoned the ships halfway through their trip through the pass, letting them find their own way from there. 
But perhaps the strangest occurrence of Jack's career happened in 1912, when the friendly shepherd of the seas disappeared. One theory suggested that Jack was killed by a harpoon fired by Norwegian whalers in April of that year, when his decomposing body washed up on a nearby beach not long after, experts concluded that he had simply died of old age. Jack would never help boats navigate the turbulent waters of French Pass again. He'd never wait at the entrance to Pelerus Sound to guide them out of the channel, either. No more playing in the wakes of the ships, or rubbing against their hulls. Pelerus Jack wasn't a good Samaritan doing his nautical duty. He was a dolphin. This episode is sponsored by Intuit. Here's a story for you. Once upon a time, a young woman was haunted by the ghosts of bad financial decisions, with credit card debt and an empty savings account looming over her every day. But when she tried to ignore these ghosts, they only grew bigger and scarier. And these ghosts of her bad financial decisions were stopping her from living her best life. So she decided to face them head on and take control of her finances with help from Intuit. Intuit helps you face your financial fears with confidence through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When we think of secession, we think of a particular moment in American history, when brother fought brother, and two halves of the United States nearly tore the country apart. I'm talking, of course, about the Civil War, and you knew that. The South had chosen to secede from the rest of the country, with the goal of starting its own republic instead. 
What resulted was a bloody war costing thousands of lives over the course of four years. But it wouldn't be the last time part of the U.S. would try to go its own way. And in the late 1930s, residents of Wyoming, South Dakota, and Montana were suffering. The Great Depression of 10 years earlier had it eased much. Farmers were losing their crops to droughts and grasshopper infestations. And it looked to them, at least, as if the government didn't care about what happened to them. The hardest-hit areas, often rural, saw almost no federal funding, with much of that going to larger infrastructure projects instead. While agriculture languished, railroads and dams were being built or improved. To some, it felt like the government had failed the people. The politicians that had been elected to represent them had lost their way, and President Roosevelt's big government New Deal was the final straw. No longer would thousands of farmers and small-town Americans stand by and let the world carry on as if they didn't exist. A new movement had dawned, and its very vocal champion could be found in the man named A.R. Swickard, the Street and Water Commissioner of Sheridan, Wyoming. Swickard already had an axe to grind. The Republicans who had promised to help his town had seemingly abandoned him instead. The time had come to take drastic action. However, Swickard would not resort to taking up arms against the United States. He sought a more peaceful and legal approach to secession. He and the rest of the movement would create their own state, Absaroka. The name was taken from the native Crow language, meaning children of the large-beaked bird. And the Absaroka initiative quickly took flight. Swickard delivered speeches in towns in Wyoming, Montana, and South Dakota about what their possible new lifestyle might entail. Unsurprisingly, the new state would have a conservative bent with a focus on small government. At the time, it was poised to become the 49th state, illustrated by a state flag design with the number 49 written across it. Swickard showed crowds a potential license plate, a map, and held a beauty contest called the Miss Absaroka Pageant. Its first and only winner, Dorothy Fellows, joined Swickard in preaching the benefit of an independent state. The movement kept growing, as did their territory. In fact, as part of his publicity tour, Swickard touted the still-under-construction Mount Rushmore as a potential tourist destination, since it would have fallen within their new state lines. And the coalition was being noticed outside the U.S. as well. The King of Norway came to Absaroka in 1939. Well, it was more like he was passing through on his way to visit southeast Montana, but the people there took it as a sign that their fight for statehood was being recognized by the international community. Swickard was relentless in his pursuit of vindication. He held public hearings where those within Absaroka's borders addressed the wrongs committed by the big city politicians who'd left them high and dry. And it seemed to be working. When officials in Montana and Wyoming got word of the unrest among their constituents, they started to listen more closely. Perhaps if things had been different, we might have 51 states on our maps today. Unfortunately, the plight of the Absarokans paled in comparison to the conflict going on in Europe. World War II had united the globe under one common goal, and the United States had started sending its own troops over there to fight. At that point, there was no longer a reason for disenfranchised farmers to start their own state. They dropped their plans to secede and threw their energy into the fray overseas. The movement dissipated, never quite regaining its momentum, leaving Absaroka to become nothing more than a state of mind. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. 
This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.